welcome to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning with Wigan and Dana, the show where CPAs, insurance professionals, investment brokers, trust companies, CFPs, and more can firm up on their understanding of estate planning strategies so they can better guide their clients to make wise decisions with their legacy. Future Focus is hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. Subscribe to Future Focused Sophisticated Estate Planning on your favorite podcast platform and share episodes with your clients. And now, here are your hosts, Aaron and Michael. Today on Future Focused, Aaron and I are going to talk about the generation skipping transfer tax. Our goal is to give a primer or an overview of it, and then each of us are going to pick two topics within the generation skipping transfer tax and just kind of hammer away at it and have a little fun along the way. So Aaron, why don't you start and give us that overview of the tax? You know, I do think that the GST tax is fun, but I think most people would disagree with me. And one of the reasons for that is that it's incredibly complex. So what is the GST tax? Well, we talk about our airtight transfer tax system And if we think of the gift tax as a mechanism to prevent transfers during lifetime to avoid the estate tax, well, the GST tax is a way to tax property that otherwise would have been brought out of the transfer tax system. So put another way, the use of dynasty trusts and giving property to irrevocable trusts that are designed to last for a long time, that was so successful in shielding property from taxation at every generation. And the Treasury Department and Congress thought that there needed to be a way to tax property essentially more frequently. So the answer to that was the generation skipping transfer tax. So really it's designed so that even when property goes into an irrevocable trust and out of people's taxable estates, it will still be subject to this additional layer of taxation that is just as onerous as the estate tax if the property is not exempt. So that's sort of the framework that we work within as trust and estates lawyers. We're very concerned with GST exemption and how it's used within our planning. So if we look at it, we have our three transfer taxes. We have the gift tax, we have the estate tax, and we have the generation skipping tax. And today, the exemption of all three is the same number. So it's possible to use gift tax with no generation skipping tax allocated to it. It's possible to make an annual exclusion gift to a trust that doesn't use gift tax exemption, but uses generation skipping tax exemption. So you see that interplay between those three systems. And I think it's the hardest one to understand. I explain it as we we bless certain transfers with generation skipping tax exemption. And we may use gift tax exemption and generation skipping tax exemption, or, or we may not. And we kind of think of it in that direction. 
Yeah, I think that that is a helpful way to frame it. So certainly when we're talking about GST, we're very much focused on the allocation or the use of exemption. But just to give us sort of some general guardrails for the conversation, I would note that, you know, a GST tax is generally applicable to two types of situations that we can put into context with our key takeaways. One certainly would be the outright gift from someone who is assigned to two or more generations above the person receiving the property. Traditional example, grandma giving a gift to grandson. That is a generation skipping transfer that you have to keep this tax in mind for. The more complex and really interesting piece of the law comes into play with that irrevocable trust planning that we teed up and the GST taxes implication on various taxations of the trust property. Great. So I'll jump into my first takeaway relating to generation skipping tax and planning, and it's the generation skipping tax annual exclusion. So as I just mentioned, the generation skipping tax exemption is the same number as the estate tax exemption and the gift tax exemption from a big picture perspective. And as many people are aware, clients, individuals have a gift tax annual exclusion amount. It's the amount that they can give away to an individual and not have it use any of their gift tax exemption. The generation skipping tax has a similar annual exclusion, same number. So a grandparent can give to a grandchild the annual exclusion amount. So in 2023, $17,000. And it's exempt from gift tax and it's exempt from generation skipping tax. If we're thinking about the gift tax return, which will come up a couple times today, that gets reported on a special part of the gift tax return. So that gets reported as a skip gift on page two. And then later on in schedule D, it gets reported and you work that calculation through. So you have the GST annual exclusion. Where it's a little different from the gift tax annual exclusion is on those gifts to trusts. And so if an individual gives a gift to a trust, we often use what we call crummy powers. The beneficiary has a right to withdraw. In the insurance trust context, it's often to a group of people. That sort of a trust does not get the generation skipping tax annual exclusion. So if you have grandchildren that are beneficiaries of that trust, you may have to allocate it. If the idea is to provide an annual gifting structure to a grandchild and to use a trust, there is a way to do this. And that way is to create a trust for the benefit of one grandchild. That grandchild's the only beneficiary during his lifetime. They have that crummy withdrawal power. And at their death, we include a general power of appointment so that the trust is included in that beneficiary's estate at their death. So we can use the GST annual exclusion and the gift tax annual exclusion using a trust, but that trust needs to be specifically drafted for that circumstance. Typically, you know, the average trust that we draft isn't qualifying for that, right? They're not hitting those two key factors where it's just for the benefit of one person and then it's includable in that person's estate. But if we're looking toward transfers that will not be subject to the GST tax, in addition to 
that version of the annual exclusion gift. We have the exclusion of the payment of expenses for medical purposes and for tuition expenses. So we traditionally refer to that exclusion as the med ed exclusion. So direct payment of certain qualifying expenses related to healthcare and education will be excluded both from gift tax and from GST tax. So a very effective way of having a grandparent or more remote ancestor benefit grandchildren is through that direct payment of the med ed category of expenses. Yeah, I think it's a great example. Similar rules on the gift tax side, on the generation skipping tax side. So it's that direct payment of tuition. It's the direct payment to a medical provider. We can also use it in a more advanced strategy. If you have an irrevocable trust that isn't generation skipping tax exempt, you may make distributions from that trust for the direct payment of medical or educational expenses. Yeah, and that's a great point. And one that is important to keep in mind because certainly it's not just applicable to those outright gifts that we think about. So certainly a lot of people listening may be familiar with the concept of a HEAT, a health education exclusion trust. And that type of trust planning strategy is born out of this med ed exclusion related to uh, GST tax. So for my next, I just want to talk quickly about gift splitting and the impact of gift splitting on the generation skipping tax exemption. Gift splitting effectively, if two spouses are married and one makes a gift, they can elect on a gift tax return to gift split. So it's treated as each spouse making one half of the gift. When they do that, They're also deemed as using and we're applying generation skipping tax exemption. They will each effectively apply one half of their generation skipping tax exemption to that gift. Where it sometimes can get more complicated, we spoke earlier about our spousal lifetime access trusts, our SLATs. And you may have a situation where the spouse is the beneficiary of the trust, so you may not be able to gift split the entire gift gift to the trust, but if you gift split on the return, even if that gift to the slat doesn't get the gift split advantage, it still may get a generation skipping tax 50-50 exemption. So as you're looking at some of those big gifts or in years that you're making big gifts, thinking about gift tax, whether or not to gift split it, you have to look through the gifts hopefully ahead of time, but certainly when you're preparing the gift tax return to see the impact of the gift splitting election on the generation skipping tax transfer to trusts. Yeah, absolutely. That's something when we as practitioners are reviewing gift tax returns for clients, we often see come up as an issue that the people don't fully appreciate that difference in gift splitting for gift tax purposes and for GST tax purposes. So, My next and last key takeaway for the GST tax also is pertinent to gift tax returns and reporting because it relates to gifts that create an estate tax inclusion period. So certain transfers from a donor to a trust that are not complete for estate tax purposes, meaning that 
there are certain ways in which the property becomes includable in the grantor's taxable estate if he or she dies before the termination of this period. So, of course, the typical examples of this are grats and cuperts. And when a donor creates one of those types of trusts, they're not able under the code to allocate GST exemption. Because that property will come back into the grantor's estate if they don't survive the term, the code does not let you affirmatively allocate GST exemption. So it's important to understand when you can allocate and how you would go about doing it with an ETIP. And as Michael was talking through the gift splitting differences, it made me think about ETIPs because one example where you might really appreciate the different reporting requirements for gift tax and GST tax is at the close of an estate tax inclusion period where you want to allocate uh, generation skipping transfer tax. So in that circumstance, you're reporting on the, the 709 and allocation to the value of the property on the day that the ETIP ended. Of course, because you have this inclusion period and very specific rules about how you can allocate GST, it's a complex issue that often requires thinking through the strategy pretty carefully before deciding how you're going to treat it for gift and GST purposes. Yeah, and I think this is just a great example of why we find the generation skipping tax exemption so interesting, right? So we, you know, we've talked about the structure of the tax, which looks similar to the gift tax and the estate tax, but is completely separate. We hit on how the the annual exclusion is applied different, similarly but differently. How the MedEd exclusion works, gift tax and the estate tax inclusion period, and with that though, that's the beginning of generation skipping transfer tax. From there, we won't dive into it, but you see additional complexities that develop. If you're thinking about, when I'm thinking about when we're preparing an estate tax return, Form 706, and what Schedule R is going to look like, and how do we allocate the generation skipping tax and the fractions that we create when we do it, or even like a mixed inclusion ratio. And when I say mixed inclusion ratio, Aaron's face lights up, and it makes her think of a number of things. Absolutely. So, I mean, in general, just big picture, we like when a trust's inclusion ratio is either zero, wholly exempt from GST tax, or one, meaning it's wholly non-exempt. So when the inclusion ratio for GST purposes of a trust is somewhere between zero and one, we often want to remedy that. And there are a whole number of strategies that you can use. And I do, I find it interesting and fun to think through because it very much is strategic in how you might go about this. But certainly, if you have a trust with a mixed inclusion ratio, you should be thinking about possibly a late allocation of GST or a qualified severance under the code. And both are interesting options depending on the circumstance. Absolutely, and you just think that late allocation can happen more and more for trusts that have been sitting there with that mixed inclusion ratio with our big increase in the exemptions amount. This may be an opportunity to look at those trusts and say, we have more exemption available, we should use it. 
or if it's just slightly off, right, doing a late allocation to use the increased exemption amount that we're receiving every year and trying to fix those trusts that have a mixed inclusion ratio completely. So. Absolutely. It's a good flag. So there you have it. I think we gave a nice overview of what the generation skipping tax is, a number of interesting planning opportunities and things to look out for, especially from a, when we're doing a gift tax returns or estate tax returns, and then even some planning when you have a trust that has a mixed inclusion ratio. So that was a great, great episode. I enjoyed talking with you about it, Aaron. Yeah. Thanks so much, Michael. Thank you for listening to Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning, Hosted by Aaron Nichols and Michael Clear, partners of the Private Client Services Department at Wigan and Dana. At Wigan and Dana, our aim is preserving the wealth that a family has worked so hard to create and pride ourselves in offering value-driven solutions and results. Subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform, share episodes with your clients, and follow our highly talented, creative, and experienced lawyers on LinkedIn for even more great insight. We'll see you next time on Future Focused, Sophisticated Estate Planning.